0: You're not in this story.
1: Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go.
0: Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. Chapters we're making 9 and, it up and 10. As we go. Chapters 11 and I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerd In Chapter 13. 13. The story is ours now. We can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today's fic is Have Love, Will Travel by Squee Monster, chapters 7 and 8. The rating for this fic is explicit. Pertinent tags for this fic include Recluse Castiel, Exotic Dancer Dean, Past Trauma, Mental Health Issues, Lap Sex, Lap Dances, Fraudage, Face Fucking, Blowjobs, Anal Sex. Chapter 7. Dean spends the rest of the week feeling torn between relief at finally being able to share his history and his constant worries with someone, and insecurity at knowing there's someone out there who now knows his secrets. If Castiel hadn't walked in on that phone call, Dean probably would have never shared his life story with him. But he caught Dean in such a moment of weakness that Dean had to let it out had to let someone help him carry this burden, even if only for a few minutes, long enough for him to get his shit together and his mind straight. The thing about it, though, is that if it had been anybody else walking in on the phone call, Dean's pretty sure he wouldn't have told them anything, no matter how much they may have bugged him about it. No, the reason he confessed to Cass was because it was Cass, and not because he couldn't help himself from spilling it to just anybody. There's something about Cass that makes Dean feel important. Like what he has to think and say actually means something. Dean's not met anyone that makes him feel like he's worth getting to know. Like there's something underneath his cocky smile and bravado that's worthy of anyone's notice. At least not anyone other than Sam, of course. And Dean doesn't know what to do with that. He finds himself torn between wanting to push Cass away so he doesn't disappoint him, as he knows he will inevitably do, and wanting to cling to him, pull him in and show him everything he's got, hoping and praying he'll still be there once he's seen what a fuck-up Dean really is. Dean has never let anybody in before, not anyone who wasn't already part of his family, like Sammy. He's getting close to trusting Bobby enough to consider him family. But even that scares him shitless, because he can't ever stop being afraid that once someone knows who he really is and what he comes from, they'll drop him like a hot potato in the middle of July. And he can't stand the thought of losing Bobby after all this time working for him. He values the job, yeah, but he values Bobby's good opinion even more. He's been a constant in his life for the past several years, And that's something that Dean has been in desperate need of since the fire changed everything so long ago. The job thing is another aspect to all of this that has Dean feeling on edge and confused. Cass is a paying customer, for Christ's sakes. If Crowley found out that things are going beyond what's considered a routine business transaction, he'd flip his lid. Dean can't lose this job. He makes way too much money to be stupid enough to let that happen. But at the same time, there's a tiny voice in his head that tells him to take something for himself for a change. And that something for himself is Cass. Dean can't remember the last time he's thought about wanting something that didn't have to do with helping Sammy or making things right for the both of them. The last time he allowed himself to be selfish was when he pitched a fit about wanting Dad to take them out for dinner. And that didn't turn out so well for anybody, he thinks bitterly. But damn it, he wants to be selfish right now. He wants Cass. And admitting that to himself is like a gut punch. It's exhilarating and terrifying, leaving him feeling guilty but excited. It's been so long since he's allowed himself to want something that he's not sure what to do with the information. And he sure as hell doesn't know what to do next, especially since he's not even sure Castiel feels the same way. For all Dean knows, Cass just thinks of him as a hot piece of ass, something to stare at and jack off to. Even remembering the look of sincerity and concern on the man's face as he gave Dean his phone number isn't enough to alleviate Dean's fear that Castiel doesn't really give a shit about him. It would be just Dean's luck to finally try for a little bit of happiness of his own, only to realize that the dude would rather watch him dance and take his clothes off before walking away at the end of the night. Dean couldn't blame Castiel, if that were true. He's got about 50 pounds of issues squeezed into a 10-pound bag. No poor sap in his right mind would be willing to take that on, no matter how hot the piece of ass is. Dean just hopes for once, that maybe Castiel is crazy enough to want to take things further. One thing he's decided, though, is that he's not going to be the one to make the move. He wants to be sure that it's actually something Cass wants, and not something he feels pressured or guilted into. So that means, no matter how much he itches to open up that tiny slip of paper and dial Cass's number, he won't be calling him. Dean has his weekly meet up with Sam on Saturday, and it takes every ounce of self control he has not to give the kid a good, thorough once over to make sure he's not hiding any other injuries. Dean, if you squeeze any harder, I might have to be put on a respirator, Sam says. Chuckling, Dean loosens his bear hug a little, but still keeps his arms wrapped around his little brother. You are not allowed to break any more bones in this decade. You got it? Sam grimaces. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was a really frickin' stupid move, too. I knew better than to die for that ball. Did you at least get the out? It was practice, Dean. But yeah, I got it. That's my boy. Dean grins, rubbing his knuckles against Sam's scalp. Sam dives out from under Dean's arm, protesting the move. Dean, you know how much I hate that. Which is why I have to do it. Big Brother rules that all Big Brothers must abide by. They stroll into Big Pepe's, a weird little restaurant about ten minutes from Sam's foster home. The place can't seem to make up its mind about whether it's Mexican or Italian. But Dean and Sam don't give a shit because it has the best burritos and spaghetti and meatballs in town. No matter how many times Dean begs, though, Sam always ends up ordering the bean burrito platter, making it the only time ever that Dean is grateful he doesn't live with his little brother. As toxic as Sam's farts are normally, Dean can't even begin to imagine how bad the night might be after Big Pepe's Fagiolo Burrito Supreme. Once they've ordered, Dean glances at Sam's cast, noticing a lot of scribbles and drawings in different colors. So, who all assigned your cast so far? Sam smiles and holds his cast out so Dean can get a closer look. He points out different names, explaining who they are or what the different drawings meant to him. As he comes across a purple signature with swirls and hearts drawn around it, he blushes. That's, um, that girl I told you about. Jess. (laughs) Ha, look at that, Sammy boy. Dean crows. That many hearts and swirlies must be a good thing, right? Sam grins sheepishly. Yeah, um, we're kind of going to a movie tomorrow afternoon. Sunday matinee, so nothing serious. Dean nods with fake thoughtfulness. So I guess the wounded duck thing isn't all bad then, if it gets you a sympathy date. Sam scoffs. Shut up, it isn't a sympathy date. It just helped move things along faster. Oh, it's so cute that you believe that. Shut up, jerk. Bitch. You know, you really need to think up a different comeback. That one's stale. Dean snickers. I will when you get more creative than jerk. I mean, come on, Sam. You're almost 15. You can say bad words now. Asshole. How about that one? Dean wipes away an imaginary tear. Oh, my darling baby boy's all growed up now. Sam tries to hide a smile as he kicks Dean under the table, but Dean is undeterred. Speaking of 15, you still haven't told me what you want for your birthday. Fess up. You want a date with a hooker, don't you? I can't promise you I can find one that would be willing to sleep with you, but if you don't mind a missing leg or two, I could probably help you out. Their waitress happens to choose that moment to bring their plates, and the look of horror on her face as she hears what Dean said, is almost worth the price of admission. She leaves their plates and utensils on the table in a clatter and hurries away. Dean, you probably scarred her for life just now. Eh, I bet she's heard worse. You don't work at Big Pepe's without learning a thing or two about life. Dean nods sagely. Sam snorts and digs into his gas master special. The rest of the weekend and following week go by as they usually do, with Dean splitting his time between his work at the garage, the landscaping business, and his dancing at the club, squeezing in a few hours of sleep each night. Once again, he's grateful for the hectic schedule because it keeps him from worrying too much about Sam and from having a big epic freak out about Cass. As much as he may want to take the initiative and ask Castiel out, He is still of a mind to let the other man make the first move. He's not going to risk losing his job and or losing a good customer on the hope that said customer draws hearts around his name and wants to be his true love forever, or some shit like that. Dean has done as much as he can within the constraints of his job to give them quality time together. So now it's up to Cass to make anything else beyond that happen. That being said... Dean has decided that Cass hasn't really gotten his money's worth on a couple of their nights together. Between Cass's bad night and Dean's own, that's two dances Cass has paid for that he hasn't received. So, Dean's thought up a way to make it up for him, if he has the nerve to go through with it. He tells himself that it's the least he can do for such a loyal customer, but he knows deep down he's not doing it for that reason. And he's pretty sure Cass will see through the ruse as well, but he can't bring himself to care. He wishes he had the nerve to take things even further, break those last remaining club restrictions, but he can't do it just yet. Once that's done, there's no going back for him and Cass, no more pretending that this is just a VIP dance and nothing more. And that thought scares the shit out of him. After his last VIP customer that Wednesday night, Dean pulls the leather chair around to sit across from the sofa as he's straightening up the room for his session with Castiel. Once he's done, he chooses a playlist on his iPod that he doesn't use often, a mix of dark, trip-hop music with Massive Attack, among other artists. He turns the volume up, wanting to drown out any other noises they may make in here although he's fairly certain they'll be left alone no matter what. Ash is a good guy, always willing to help Dean pull one over on Crowley. He settles down on the couch, shifts until he's more comfortable, legs splayed open. He's grateful that he's in scrubs again tonight, as he's always enjoyed the comfort of this costume, as opposed to some of his more elaborate ones. He's nervous enough, as it is, without the added annoyance of tight, itchy fabric, or buckles to have to work his way out of. He stares at the closed door, waiting for Castiel to open it. He wonders what the other man will be wearing, if he'll surprise Dean this time and be wearing something different than his usual trench coat and suit. As he's pondering what Cass would look like in some faded jeans and a t-shirt, the door opens and Castiel takes a couple of steps in, looking at the spot where the leather chair usually is with a frown on his face. Dean clears his throat, and Castiel turns to his right, eyebrows raising slightly as he notices Dean sitting on the couch. He closes the door behind him and takes the few steps towards Dean. Hello, Dean. Hey, Cass. Dean smiles, amused by how formal and solemn Cass always sounds when he first greets him. So, uh, have a seat on the chair. He waves his hand out weakly, as if he's A fucking White revealing the answers to Castiel's obvious question of what's going on here. I thought we'd try something different tonight. If your are game, that is. Castiel sits down in the chair across from Dean, his head tilted as he considers Dean's words. What did you have in mind? Well, uh... Dean fumbles out, Dry-mouthed all of a sudden. I was feeling kind of bad about you having paid for dances a couple of times when I ended up not dancing for you, and... Dean, I don't mind that at all. I enjoyed those nights. Yeah, Cass, I know, you told me before that you didn't mind, but, well, I hate feeling like I owe somebody something, and besides, uh... Dean feels like an utter creep saying this, but in for a penny, in for a pound... I kind of want to do this. I think you might too, once you hear me out. Castiel squints at him, eyebrows furrowed in that way that he does that pretty much turns Dean into a ridiculous puddle of goo. All right, what were you thinking of doing? Dean rubs his palms along his pants, surprised not to see streaks of sweat on the fabric, given how nervous he is right now. I want you to tell me what you'd like to do to me. If we're allowed to touch each other, he says, voice hoarse. Castiel's eyes widen, his head jerking back almost as if he'd been slapped. I, I don't really understand what you're proposing. Clearing his throat, Dean tries to think of a better way to explain it. You watch pornos, right? Surely you do. Castiel huffs, of course I do. I frequent various gay blogs on Tumblr as well. Oh, uh, what's Tumblr? tumble? Dean squints, not wanting to stray from the topic at hand, but unable to resist. Actually, never mind, that's not the point. He sits up straight, smiling slyly. Haven't you ever seen a porno where one person tells the other person what to do? Castiel stares down at Dean's shoes, deep in thought as he bites his lip, leaving it all plump and pink. I did see one where a fireman ordered a pizza and was unable to pay the delivery man. He gave him quite explicit instructions on how to pay through sexual favors. That's kind of what I'm talking about here, except this isn't payment for anything exactly. Dean chuckles. That's... I'm not sure I'm comfortable with. Cass. Dean interrupts, leaning forward to make eye contact with the man... Dean waits patiently as Castiel's eyes dart around the room. But when they finally fall on Dean, they remain locked in his gaze. Cass, I know you don't like doing anything spontaneous, or anything that you haven't prepared for, but this is me. It's just me and you, here, in this room. You've been here a few times now. You've gotten to know me. Probably even more than either one of us had expected, right? So, it's just us. Dean spares a moment to lick his lips, not meaning to distract Castiel. But when he sees the man's eyes follow the movement and darken, his breath speeding up, it gives him courage to go on. Cass wants this, just as much as he does. He just doesn't realize it yet. And Cass, I don't know about you, but I haven't been able to stop thinking about you all week. Dean watches as Castiel's eyes widen again, but this time Dean doesn't see fear there. All he sees is curiosity, and maybe a little bit of hope, which does things to Dean's stomach that he only thought should happen to 12-year-olds at their first dance. So, this isn't just for you, or just for what I think is owed to you. This is for me, too. It's because I want it. Dean waits to let that sink in before adding with a whisper, Maybe even more than you. Castiel stares at him, blue eyes fathomless, and Dean holds his breath, praying that he hasn't overstepped his bounds and made himself out to be a giant douchebag. Just as he's about to look away and start apologizing, Castiel whispers, You could never want it more than I do. Dean can feel his pulse quicken at the words, and a tingle of sheer delight zings through him so energetically he wonders if he might have lit up. He wants this, he celebrates, but on the outside he tamps his joy down, lets a slow, easy smile spread across his face as he leans back on the couch. So, Cass, if you could have your way with me right now, What would you like to do first? Castiel takes a deep breath, letting his gaze follow the length of Dean's body, gliding slowly down to his feet and back up again, taking in his arms and shoulders before finding his way back to Dean's lips. Dean can't help but shiver as it happens, swearing to himself that he can almost feel the ghost of Cass's fingers as he looks him over. "'I believe that first I would want you to take off your shoes and socks "'so that you could be more comfortable,' Cass replies hesitantly. "'And that's, well, that's a bit of a surprise, but whatever. "'Dude likes to take things slow, obviously.' "'Okay,' Dean says, reaching down to pull off his shoes and socks. "'As he's setting them along the side of the couch,' He looks up when he hears Castiel clear his throat. What would you do to me, Dean? He whispers. I mean, if we could touch. Dean can feel his heart skip a beat at the words. This wasn't on the agenda for tonight, but he's never been one who couldn't roll with the punches, so to speak. The very thought of getting to tell Castiel how and where to touch himself while he's watching makes his mouth water, and his dick gives a little twitch of interest in the proceedings as well. He looks back up at Castiel with a small smile. I'd probably take your shoes and socks off too, just so we'd be on equal footing. Castiel huffs at Dean's pun as he moves to shuck off his shoes. Once his feet are bare, Dean takes a moment to look them over. He's surprised at how attractive he finds them, wondering if there's anything about this man that he won't find a turn on. You've got some good-looking feet, Cast. I've never been much of a foot guy, but yours are especially nice. Castiel wiggles his toes and smirks, but otherwise remains silent, making Dean wonder if maybe he just made himself look like some kind of perv. He decides to get them focusing on something else. So uh, what would you do next? After considering Dean for several seconds Castiel says I would kiss you. I'd lick along your mouth and suck your bottom lip between my teeth. He gazes at Dean unblinkingly and you. Dean licks his lips grinning as Castiel tracks the movement and licks his own lips in response. I'd kiss you back, Dean says, low and a little rough. I'd bite your upper lip, make it all red and swollen, and slide my tongue in beside yours, tease it around in there. Dean watches as Castiel bites his upper lip, mimicking what Dean would do. He smirks and does the same for Cass, catching his lower lip between his teeth and staring back at him. Castiel's eyes travel to Dean's jaw and neck. I believe that next I would kiss my way to your jaw and along your neck. He breathes. And then pull your shirt over your head and off. So that I could touch and kiss your chest. Dean grabs the hem of his scrub shirt and slowly begins pulling it up along his chest. He watches Castiel's face as he does so. Pleased to see the man's eyes darken again as Dean's stomach and chest are revealed. His eyes rove across the expanse of skin, staring at Dean's freckles as if he's cataloging the position of each and every one. Dean patiently waits as Castiel continues to study him, feeling exposed in a way that he hasn't in quite a while, which for his job is really saying something. I think I'd play with your nipples licking and biting them until they're pink and hard for me. Castiel meets Dean's gaze, eyelids lowered as he murmurs, play with your nipples for me, Dean. And that's, oh fuck, that's some hot shit right there. And Castiel seems to have gotten over any reservations he may have had with this little game pretty damn quickly. Dean slides his hands up his stomach and chest slowly, And when he reaches his nipples, he takes each bud between fingers and thumbs, tweaking and squeezing them. He bites his bottom lip again, eyes closing to the sensation, as he feels his dick pulse inside his g-string. When he opens his eyes, he finds Castiel grasping the arms of the chair as he's watching Dean, lips parted. I think you need to take your jacket off, Cass. Shirt too, Dean says. Castiel looks up and holds Dean's stare, nodding slowly as he twists himself out of his jacket. They continue to look at one another as Castiel unbuttons his shirt, Dean still massaging his chest and rubbing his nipples. Once the shirt is gone and Castiel is bare-chested, Dean whispers under his breath, Jesus fucking Christ. Cass is broad-shouldered and well-muscled, Not big in a hard-body way, but lean and tight, like a swimmer or a runner. His skin is pale, aside from a freckle here and there, and Dean can just tell that if he reached out and trailed a finger along Castiel's torso, it would feel like silk. He almost gives in right then, almost says to hell with the rules, and crawls his way into Castiel's lap to take and touch and taste but instead he clenches a fist and squeezes his eyes shut to regain some composure before telling Castiel what to do next. I would suck and bite your nipples until I had you moaning and panting underneath me, he whispers, and I'd fit your thigh between my legs so I could work my cock against you as I'm doing it. Castiel has a hand on each thigh, and as Dean speaks he grips them tightly, knuckles going white from the pressure. Play with your nipples, Cass. Dean instructs him softly. Lick your fingers, and then play with your nipples. Squeeze them. Pinch them. Pretend it's my mouth doing it to you. With a visible gulp, Castiel lifts his hands, sticking out his tongue to lick his thumb and index fingers. He hisses as he takes each nipple between wet fingers and spreads saliva across the hardening buds. He moans as he shifts in his seat, widening his legs and scooting further down in the chair. Dean curses to himself as he notices the growing bulge in the man's pants, and he shifts uncomfortably as his own erection strains to be released. Opening his eyes, Castiel whispers hoarsely, off your pants, Dean. Oh, thank fuck, Dean thinks to himself. It's about time they moved this along. He was afraid he'd jizz in his scrubs at this rate. He loosens the drawstring and hooks his thumbs under the waistband. He watches Castiel's face as he lifts his ass to pull the pants down his thighs, taking pleasure in the way the other man's eyes widen as he gets a glimpse of Dean's thong-covered crotch. At this point, Dean's dick is hard and leaking pre-cum, the head peeking brazenly out of the top of the tight fabric after Dean repositions things to make himself more comfortable. Dean leans back on the couch, scooting himself down and widening his legs. The urge to touch himself, to take his cock in hand and stroke, is damn near irresistible, but he bites his tongue and clenches a fist, waiting for the next instruction. Castiel stares at Dean's crotch, mouth slightly open as his breathing becomes more shallow. He's got some pretty impressive tinting action going on in his pants now, and he slides a hand along his thigh to press the heel of his hand against the bulge. Ah, 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 Dean chides. No touching until I say so. Castiel lets loose a frustrated sigh, but pulls his hand away nevertheless, and Dean chuckles. Why don't you go ahead and take off your pants? Relieve some of that pressure. The other man swiftly unbuttons and unzips his pants, pulling them down to reveal thighs Dean knows would be rock hard under his fingers. He's wearing snug-fitting boxers, a blue that almost matches his eyes. They stare at each other, drinking the sight of each other in, taking their time to familiarize themselves with the other's body through sight. After steadying his voice, Dean asks, So, what would you do next, Cast? Tell me what to do. Tell me what you want. Castiel takes several shallow breaths before saying, I'd kiss you again. I'd thread my fingers through your hair as I kiss you. And slide my other hand under your thong. Wrap my fingers around your cock. Get a feel for you.
2: Squeeze you.
0: Tell me to do it, Cass. Dean jumps in. Say it. His voice shaking a little, Castiel complies. Pull your cock out, Dean. Let me see you. I want to watch you touch yourself. Fuck yeah, Cass, like this? Is this what you want to see? Dean pulls his G-string down, his dick thumping against his stomach once it's freed. The crown is red and flushed. Slick with precum, and Dean swirls his thumb and fingers in it before sliding them down along his shaft, stroking loosely. He watches Castiel squirm in his seat, groaning with each stroke Dean makes, and it's so fucking hot Dean can't even think straight anymore. All he can think is that he needs to see Cass touching himself as well. Take your dick out, Cass, he says huskily. I need to see it. I need to see how hard you are for me. Castiel nods rapidly, wordlessly, slides the waistband down, freeing his cock from the constraints. It springs up rigid, the tip swollen and red, the shaft slightly curved. It's longer than Dean's dick, though not as thick, but it's thick enough that Dean can't help but wonder at how perfectly it fit in his mouth, how snug it might fit inside his ass and he has to close his eyes, breathe through the curling sensation in his balls. He snaps his lids open again as the urge to blow his load subsides, seeing that Cass's dick is leaving a glistening smear of wetness against his lower belly. Dean licks his lips, wishes he could taste it, and he feels a certain satisfaction when he sees it twitch like it's beckoning him closer. Castiel is watching every move, and the sense of power that Dean feels with the knowledge that just licking his lips can make another man's dick throb with need, leaves him heady with breathless excitement. How about smearing that jizz off the head of your cock? Clean it up for me. Dean dares. I want to watch you suck that off your fingers. A shaky sigh escapes Castiel's lips as he swirls two fingers along the tip of his dick and then brings them up to his mouth. When he sticks his tongue out to slide it along the skin, staring at Dean while he tastes the liquid and sucks it on his fingertips, Dean moans so loudly he wouldn't be surprised if the whole damn club heard it. Oh, fuck, Cass, oh, God, he groans, hand-stripping his own shaft in a fast, unforgiving rhythm. Fuck your fist for me, pretend it's my mouth or my ass, whatever you need it to be, whatever you need. Castiel takes his cock in hand, wrapping wet fingers around the shaft and pumping slowly. He bites his bottom lip, eyelids fluttering as he seems to struggle to keep his focus on Dean's own actions. They both gaze at each other, quiet except for occasional whimpers and groans and the obscene slap of skin on skin as they jack themselves off. Castiel licks his lips, eyeing Dean's hand, moving slickly along his length. If I could touch you right now, Dean, he ventures. I'd have you suck on my fingers. Get them wet so I can slide them inside you. His gaze travels up the length of Dean's body meeting his stare before murmuring, "'Fuck yourself with your fingers for me, Dean.'" Dean can feel his eyes go wide with shock as he meets Castiel's half-lidded gaze. They stare at each other for several seconds before Castiel offers demurely, "'I learned that from the pizza man.'" Dean huffs in laughter as he thinks to himself, "'Oh, dear God in heaven, who knew that Castiel was such a kinky bastard.'" Dean lifts the hand, not currently stripping his cock raw, and sucks on three of his fingers, giving Cass his best come and get it, big boy look before pulling a leg up to rest the heel of his foot on the couch. He squirms in his seat a bit, trying to give himself a good angle to do this, while giving Cass a good view of him doing his bidding at the same time. The way he settles himself spreads his butt cheeks apart enough that he's pretty sure that Castiel has a front-row seat to all his junk, as well as quite possibly all of his insides. But judging by the hazy, ecstatic expression on Cass's face, he's pretty pleased with what he's seeing. Dean closes his eyes and inhales, breathing deeply and psyching himself up for this, before exhaling slowly. As he exhales, he slides one slick finger past the rim of his hole, grunting at the intrusion. He hears Castiel gasp and opens his eyes to find the man swallowing hard, gaze transfixed on Dean's finger pumping slowly in and out of his hole. He stopped jerking himself off and is squeezing the base of his shaft instead, and Dean feels a sudden wave of victory when he realizes Castiel almost came just from watching one finger slide home. So, he figures, I'm going to rock this dude's world. He takes another deep breath before sliding a second finger in, both digits delving even deeper than before. Castiel lets out a strangled moan that's almost a cry, eyes wide as he watches Dean's fingers disappear inside himself. Dean fucks himself deeper, trying to find his prostate to make this feel that much better. And on the fourth swipe, he finds the sweet spot. He gasps as he pushes against it and pants as he watches Castiel bite his lip. He tries several times to find his voice before saying hoarsely, "'Cas, this is you fucking me right now. "'Wrap those fingers around your cock and feel how tight I am for you. "'How fucking tight and hot I am just for you.'" Dean watches as Castiel does as he's told, long fingers circling his cock and fists himself. The man's eyes stay on Dean's hole, matching the pace of Dean's fingers pumping in and out, and Dean begins to stroke his own dick in earnest now, knowing that he's not going to last much longer with this view and the way he keeps fingering his prostate. Oh, Dean, you're so beautiful, so fucking, oh, God. Castiel moans, fist moving faster as he continues to watch. Yeah, Cass, just like that. Don't stop those fucking fingers. So fucking gorgeous. I want to suck your cum off those fingers. Oh, fuck. Dean groans. He can't stop babbling. He knows he sounds ridiculous, but he's so fucking close. He wants to watch Cass come first, but he's just so fucking close. If- I were fucking you right now, I would grip your hips tight, push my cock in deep, and make make you come for me. Cass stutters, and Dean whimpers as Cass licks his lips. Come for me, Dean. Dean cries out, fireworks exploding behind closed eyelids as he spurts what feels like about ten gallons of jizz all over his stomach and chest. He doesn't even realize he was waiting for permission until Cass gave it to him. He opens his eyes to see Castiel staring at him, panting as he fists his erection. Cass, if you were fucking me, right now I'd be squeezing that hard cock with my ass, milking it until you couldn't take it anymore. Dean says, I want to watch you come, Cass. Castiel whimpers, hand moving faster and more erratic along his shaft. The man bites his lip hard as he continues to stare after Dean, watching him stroke himself lazily through the aftershocks of his own orgasm. When Dean slicks a finger through his own jizz and brings it up to his mouth, tongue flicking out to taste it, Castiel lets loose a shout and releases himself, strings of cum coating his stomach. Dean smiles to himself as Castiel closes his eyes and leans his head along the back of his chair, hand idly working himself through his climax. He's feeling pretty damn proud of himself for this idea. Now, he won't ever have to worry that he owes Cass for the dances he'd paid for but hadn't received, at the very least. Both men are quiet for several minutes as they recover. Dean listens to the music playing on the speakers from his iPod wondering how long they've been here, oblivious to the rest of the goings-on in the club. The longer they sit here, though, the colder and stickier Dean begins to feel, and he can imagine Castiel is probably feeling similar. He clears his throat and opens his eyes, amused to see Castiel still lying back with his eyes closed. When Dean reaches for his G-string on the floor, he notices Cass opening one eye to watch him. They don't say a word as Dean slips the thong back on, but Cass does pull his boxers back up his thighs, hissing as the fabric catches on his oversensitized flesh. Once Dean has pulled his pants back on, both men lean back in their seats, reluctant to abandon the scene or each other. Or at least Dean's feeling reluctant. For all he knows, Cass could just be a lazy fuck who can't move after a particularly awesome jerk-off session Dean hopes Cass is feeling the same way about him as he is about Cass. But then again, maybe it's better if he doesn't, because that way lies a whole hell of a lot of complications. Castiel raises his head and opens his eyes, glance moving across the room. They look at each other every few seconds, but look away quickly, both seeming to be absurdly shy all of a sudden. After the third time of catching each other looking, A small smile erupts on Cass's face, and Dean blushes and smiles in response. "'Oh, shut up,' he says. Castiel full-on grins at that. "'What? I didn't say anything. "'Yeah, but you were looking all smug over there.' "'Oh, and you don't look like the cat who got the cream with that look on your face?' "'Point taken,' Dean replies.' smirking as he lets his gaze wander along Castiel's body. Castiel reaches for his socks and begins tugging them on. So, I suppose I'll see you next week. Dean can feel his smile slip a tiny bit, but he masks it as best as he can. Yep, same time, same place. He stamps down the disappointment of being reminded that this is just a business transaction, like any other VIP dance. His stomach churns a little at the thought of what tonight's exploits make him, but he ignores it. He stands up to follow Castiel to the door and see him out. The man stops as he reaches it and turns around to face Dean. Thank you, Dean, for tonight. You didn't owe me anything, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Castiel's mouth opens and closes several times as if he's trying to decide what to say next. I really enjoyed what happened tonight, and I I won't soon forget it. His eyes are warm and fond as they stare back at Dean, and for a moment, Dean is able to pretend that they're just two guys who really like each other saying goodbye after an epic night together. Yeah, I won't either, Cass. Be careful getting home. He pauses, and fuck, he can't not say it. I can't wait to see you next week. It comes out tentative, and a momentary flash of what looks to be surprised, mixed with what Dean wants to think is hope, flits across Castiel's face before he schools his expression to something more neutral. And neither can I. Take care, Dean. You too, Cass. to Chapter 8 On Thursday, the cloud nine feeling that buoys Castiel through his morning with a stupid grin on his face and butterflies in his stomach turns into anxiety by mid afternoon, as his happiness devolves into the sense that he's too exposed. He feels more vulnerable than he has felt in a long time. Dean never fails to surprise him to put him on edge and force him to confront things about himself that he's ignored for so long. Dean makes him feel, makes him hope, and want things for himself that he'd given up wanting long ago. And now that their odd relationship has stepped up a degree, the thought of it leaves Castiel adrift in worry and fear. It isn't helped by the hellish ordeal of a fire alarm an evacuation of the whole building that leaves him frozen with terror outside, trapped in a milling, chattering, too big, too busy, too much to bear crowd of residents while the local fire department checks every apartment. Once back inside, he slams the door behind him, slides down it, and sits there for a long time, hugging his knees, his clothes saturated in sweat and his teeth chattering. After an hour, he pushes up and stumbles to his bed, crawls under the covers, where it's small and secure, squeezing his eyes shut against the world. The next day, he opens his blinds and reels back from the window, from the vastness outside, before scrabbling for the cord and shrouding the apartment in gloom and manageable boundaries again. He breathes deep through the sudden nausea and faintness, the tremors, and the pain in his chest as his heart hammers out its alarm. Once he's calmer, he tells himself he was bound to relapse at some point, given the circumstances. On the road to recovery, no one is immune to setbacks. But that doesn't mean Castiel can't be frustrated with himself, either. He's been feeling proud of himself for the advances he's made and how far he's come, and now he feels as if he's taken five steps back. The following Wednesday, he has to force himself to leave his home. The only thing that succeeds in pushing him out the door is the thought of Dean being disappointed or confused if he fails to show up for their weekly appointment. He feels ill by the time he reaches the club, but as he sits in the VIP room waiting for Dean, he takes a deep breath and reminds himself that at least he made it outside his apartment once again, and he's here now he spares a minute to wonder why Dean isn't already in the room and waiting for him when the door opens and Dean walks in. His grin is quick and as genuine as always, and it gives Castiel a little skip in his stomach that isn't at all like the panic-stricken churning he's been feeling all week. Hey, Cass, Dean says. Sorry I kept you waiting. Sammy called and I kind of lost track of time. Castiel smiles at the fond look Dean gets in his eyes when he talks about his little brother. How is Sam? Is his arm healing properly? Dean grins. Oh yeah, he's a tough little shit. He'll probably have outgrown that cast before the doc even cuts it off. He walks over to the speakers, hooking up his iPod before looking over his shoulder to ask, So, uh, what do you have in mind for tonight? I didn't have anything special planned, so. He lets his words trail off, obviously waiting for Castiel to speak up, but Castiel hesitates. As much as he likes Dean, and as attracted as he is to the man, the thought of being close to him right now is terrifying, which only serves to frustrate Castiel because of his recent regression, the reminder of which shreds his nerves even more thoroughly. If he's not careful, he could very well spiral into another panic attack. And that's the last thing he wants to do here, right in front of Dean. He swallows, rallies, but his voice still comes out a little faint. I, if you don't mind, do you think maybe we could just talk for a bit? The slightly worried look on Dean's face doesn't make Castiel feel any less like a fool, but he continues on. I'm just, I'm really tired, and I've not had a great week as far as my, my phobias are concerned. So I'm not sure how, um, receptive I would be tonight. He inwardly cringes at hearing himself speak those last words, but the look on Dean's face is one of concern and understanding. Yeah, sure, Cass. I like talking. Dean grabs the chair, leaning up against the opposite wall setting it down in front of Cass and straddling it. So, uh, what's happened that made you have such a bad week? Anything I can help with? Castiel's heart skips a beat with the question, as well as with the look of genuine concern on Dean's face. I appreciate the offer, but I'm afraid this is just a typical expected regression that happens from time to time. I just need to work it out myself. Dean nods slowly. Well, you being here now is a good sign, right? He prompts. If you were sucking at it, you probably wouldn't have even been able to leave the house, yeah? A forced smile makes its way across Castiel's lips. True. I just sometimes get so frustrated with myself. He remembers how his feet took root to the ground outside his building, how his whole body locked rigid with dread, as humanity thronged around him. And as mortifying as the recollection is, he can't help telling Dean, The fire alarm went off at my place. We all had to leave, he says quietly, and he feels his cheeks heat with embarrassment at how foolish it must sound. The crush of people it was. I froze. He clenches his fists at the memory. If I have that much trouble just standing outside my home, if I have to force myself to travel ten minutes from there to see you, it's doubtful I'd ever be able to go on a proper trip. Dean raises his eyebrows. You had to force yourself to come visit me. He teases gently, and Castiel feels some of the tension drain away at the twinkle in Dean's eyes as Dean goes on. And a proper trip? You want to go anywhere special then? At once, Castiel's mind is full of images, cultures, landmarks, cities, incredible journeys to fantastic destinations. I'd like to travel the world, he sighs. Since I was young, I've always dreamed of seeing foreign places India, Africa, South America, Europe, and Hawaii for some reason. One fantasy I've always had is imagining myself standing on a Hawaiian beach, staring out at the water with sand between my toes. When Castiel glances at Dean, there is a faraway look on the other man's face. Wow, Dean murmurs. Those are some nice dreams, Cass. Yes, but at the rate I'm going, that's all they'll ever be. Unattainable dreams. Castiel snorts. I have wanderlust but I can't wander anywhere. Dean clears his throat, looking down at the floor between them. I've never even let myself dream about going to places like that. There's no point. Castiel squints at him. Why is that? Dean grimaces. Between just trying to get by from day to day and me being scared of flying, I've never had a reason to think I'd ever be able to go anywhere fancy like that. Hell, hell, "'I consider myself lucky to be able to go to the lake for a day,' he says, shrugging. "You have a fear of flying,' Castiel huffs. "'Dean levels a stare at him. "'Hey, don't be laughing at me. "'Flying is unnatural. "'These huge cylinders of metal that weigh tons, "'and we're expected to climb inside them and let them fly us up miles into the air and trust that? "'It's insane that more people aren't terrified.' He narrows his eyes. With all the other things you got going on, how come you're not afraid of it? Castiel thinks on the question a moment before answering. I've not gone flying since I developed my issues, but as a child I did enjoy it very much. There's a sense of freedom in it. This invigorating feeling of how, if humans can figure out a way to do this, then anything is possible. He stares into the space over Dean's shoulder as he continues. There's this moment as the plane is descending when the engines aren't as loud and you can feel the plane struggling to slow down and you get closer and closer to the ground. It feels as though you're floating above the trees and buildings so effortlessly, almost if you had wings yourself. Castiel shrugs awkwardly turning his attention back to Dean. I may feel differently about it if I ever manage to attempt traveling again. I don't know. But no, flying is one of the most minor concerns I have about traveling. Dean stares at him for several seconds, before a wistful smile curls his lips. Well, even if I got up the nerve to try it, there's no way I could afford going on a trip anytime soon. Between saving up for Sam's college and paying rent and needing money for a car or start rebuilding my dad's car, I just, I doubt I'll ever be able to go anywhere fancy. Dean bites his lip and scrubs at the back of his neck, seemingly debating telling Castiel something else. Also, I kind of got it in my head a few years ago that I might want to try going to school to be a paramedic. He glances up at castiel but looks away quickly i mean i'm sure i'm not smart enough for it or anything but still i just when me and sammy and my dad were in that car wreck when the paramedics showed up they were like fucking superheroes they saved me and sam and i was always kind of in awe of them after that made me want to be like them saving people you know He shrugs and Castiel watches, utterly charmed, as a pink flush spreads across the man's cheeks. I think you'd be wonderful as a paramedic, Dean, he says. There's a warmth to you, a compassion you exude that's very comforting to others. Castiel is pleased to see the effect that his words seem to be having on Dean. The man blushes even further, his eyes cast downwards as he tries not to smile. And as for fearing that you're not smart enough, I won't have you speaking badly of yourself like that, not around me. Dean, you're an extremely intelligent man. You are capable, you are quick-witted, and your common sense and worldliness are second to none. If I were ever so unfortunate as to find myself in need of a paramedic, I can't imagine anyone I'd rather have responsible for my life and well-being than you. They sit in silence for a minute as Dean seems to struggle to find a reply. He clears his throat a couple of times before answering. Thanks, Cass. you hear enough people telling you you're worthless and that you're a dumb shit enough times, you start to believe it. It's nice to know that I got somebody in my corner. Besides Sammy, of course. Castiel had suspected as much, but hearing that Dean has been told these things for a large part of his life breaks his heart nonetheless. How someone could live that kind of life that he has lived and still turn out to be such a caring, compassionate person is a mystery. I'll always be in your corner, Dean, he says impulsively, and at the quick look Dean shoots him, he hastens to add, so to speak, I mean, as much as one in these circumstances can be, I suppose. He lets his words trail off, observing the flash of some unreadable emotion across Dean's face. He said something wrong. Castiel knows that much. But before he can decipher what exactly it was, Dean changes the subject. So, uh, what else do you like to do? Besides write and, I guess, look at travel stuff? Any hobbies? Castiel frowns. It's not very easy to have a hobby when you're scared to leave your house. But I do like to run on my treadmill. He stares at his hands, contemplating what else he likes to do with his free time. I enjoy crossword puzzles and learning different languages. And plants. Dean's eyebrows shoot up to his forehead. Plants? Is that code for something? Castiel huffs, No, it's not code. I enjoy reading about plants, about gardening. I think I'd enjoy having my own garden someday, if I ever have a yard or a plot and can get past my issues. Well, whatever floats your boat, I guess, Dean says, smiling. I'm kind of a hands-on guy myself. Castile tilts his head as he studies Dean. How so? What do you enjoy doing? (laughs) I don't have much downtime, but I like to run, too, when I get a chance. I have to work out pretty often because of the dancing, but I don't really like it. I do like running, though. Makes me feel free. Dean shrugs. I like working on cars, too. And I do a bit of reading when I get a chance. Intrigued, Castiel asks, Oh, you read? Who's your favorite author? Dean shakes his head. I don't get a chance to read much, really. I guess I like Vonnegut a lot. And Stephen King, he's cool. Ah, yes. Those are both wonderful authors. Castiel nods. And I, um... I checked one of your books out of the library last weekend, but I haven't had a chance to start it yet, Dean says. Castiel's stomach flips at the thought of Dean reading his words. He's not usually one to care whether someone likes his stories, but it suddenly feels very important to him that Dean enjoys what he's written. I hope you like it, he fumbles out. But please don't feel obliged to read it just because I wrote it. (laughs) Don't worry, if I wasn't interested, I wouldn't have bothered. I've never been able to force myself to read something I don't want to. It's the one reason I did so bad in school. Dean pauses long enough for Castiel's eyes to return his gaze and continues, I wanted to read it, man. The whole angel-warrior thing sounds badass. Castiel smiles. I hope it doesn't disappoint, then. Returning the smile, Dean replies, I'm sure it won't. They continue on for another hour, Dean talking about his brother and some of the more amusing and embarrassing stories he has of him, before Castiel realizes it's getting late. He's aware that Dean will have to wake early in the morning for his job at the garage, but he's also aware Dean probably wouldn't try to end their conversation himself given how he always seems to feel obligated to be worth Castiel's money. So, feigning a yawn, he murmurs, I imagine it's getting rather late. I need to wake early in the morning for an online meeting with my editor, so I suppose I should be leaving. He'd feel guilty for the lie, but since it's to get Dean home and sleeping at a decent time, he figures it's worth it. The look of disappointment that flits across Dean's face does make Castiel feel guilty, though. Okay, sure. I guess I should be leaving soon, too. Maybe I can get an extra hour or so of sleep tonight, for once. Dean stands and makes his way to the door as Castiel shrugs on his trench coat. They stand and stare at each other for several seconds before Dean lets loose a breath and steps forward, wrapping his arms around Castiel. Castiel is stunned for a moment, not expecting the hug, and he waits for the panic to set in, the anxiety of being so unexpectedly close to someone. And he's surprised to realize that he feels no distress, but instead feels as if another piece to some unknown puzzle has fallen into place. Being in Dean's arms feels familiar and right. Castiel wraps his own arms around Dean's shoulders awkwardly, Still not sure about how much he's allowed to touch. Not sure if he should even be concerned about the club's stupid rules right now. At the movement, he feels Dean's body relax, his arms pulling Castiel tighter around his waist. Castiel sighs, his body melting against Dean. He hooks his chin over Dean's shoulder and closes his eyes, fingers stroking circles between Dean's shoulder blades. He feels Dean lay a cheek on his shoulder and shivers at the tiny puffs of warm air against his neck. Castiel isn't quite sure just how long they stand there wrapped around each other, but laughter outside the hallway breaks them out of the moment. Dean squeezes him tight one last time before pulling away, hands lingering on Castiel's hips as he whispers, So, I guess I'll see you next week, right? Castiel places his hands on Dean's biceps, fingers playing loosely with the fabric of his sleeves. He watches Dean's eyes glance down at his lips, and it feels as if every nerve ending in his body tingles at the anticipation of Dean kissing him. Yes, of course, I'll be here next week, Dean, he breathes. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Dean licks his own lips, drawing Castiel's gaze to his mouth. Castiel's pulse quickens as Dean's lips part, and he quickly looks up to Dean's eyes, finding his gaze still on Castiel's mouth. Dean licks his lips again and sucks his bottom lip between his teeth. Castiel can feel them both swaying, his own breath coming just as fast as Dean's. But just as Dean begins to lean forward, eyes still transfixed on Castiel's mouth, there's a loud knock on the door. Hey, Dean. We're about to start up a poker game. If you're interested, Ash yells through the door. Both men jump apart at the knock, almost as if they'd been struck by lightning. Castiel would have found it comical if he wasn't so enraged at being interrupted. Right as Dean was about to kiss him, he can't be sure, of course, that Dean was about to do it, but he would have bet all his life savings on it just the same. Dean blushes and looks down at the floor hand scrubbing the back of its neck uh no thanks ash i think i'm going to head home soon hey you're lost i'm pretty sure ed's going to play and his dad just gave him access to his trust fund so easy pickings yeah thanks ash dean glances quickly at castiel before reaching for the doorknob so uh have a good week okay Castiel silently curses himself as he nods and smiles at Dean. Yes, you as well, Dean. As he walks out the door, he allows himself to lean into the touch of Dean's hand along the small of his back, warmth seeping into his skin before walking down the hallway. That Saturday, Dean takes Sam out for their weekly adventures and also to celebrate his little brother's birthday. Since Sam never told him what he wanted for his birthday, Dean settled on buying him a Kindle and a gift card for e-books. He'd wanted to get him something more, but since the stubborn kid wouldn't fess up to anything he wanted, Dean figured he'd wait and see if he could find out anything else he wanted later on. They return to Big Pepe's for lunch and take a booth by the window, enjoying the sunshine even if the early summer rays are a bit too hot for them. Dean watches Sam fiddle around with his Kindle, getting excited about all the books he plans on reading. Even though it was a hastily purchased gift, Dean is pleased to see that he kind of struck gold with it. As they're finishing up dessert, Sam glances out of the window and frowns. Dean, look! Dean turns his head, looking out the window to see a skinny, matted little dog sniffling through a bag near the dumpster. He glances back at Sam to see a worried, upset look across his face. Do you think he's a stray? Sam asks. Dean looks back out at the dog, which doesn't seem to be having much luck finding anything it could eat. I guess so, given how dirty he looks. The waitress brings their check to the table, and she tracks Sam's gaze and clucks her tongue irritably. What is that mangy mutt back again? We can't keep it from tearing open our garbage bags. Sam looks up at the waitress, face creasing up in anger. He's hungry. He needs help. The waitress rolls her eyes and saunters away, and Sam smacks his hand down on the table. Dean, if you tip her, I won't talk to you for a month. Dean snorts. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't planning on it. My food was cold and my soda was hot. He watches as Sam stares out at the dog, eyes looking suspiciously like they might be getting teary. Well, shit, Dean thinks to himself. Here's the something more I could get him for his birthday. Problem is, though, that there is no way his landlord will let him have a dog. And Dean's pretty damn sure Sammy's foster mom would have a hissy fit if Sam ever brought one home. But at the very least, they can take it to a vet, get it checked out, and maybe find a shelter to take it in and rehome it. Dean sighs. Hey, Sammy, why don't you go out there and see if it'll come to you while I get the bill settled? Sam's head turns quickly, hope written across his face. Really? Yeah, if it'll come to you, maybe we can find a vet to look it over. Will you keep it? No, you know what a douche my landlord is. There's no way I could have a dog. But I'm pretty sure Shirley won't let me have it either. Dean's heart aches at the disappointment in Sam's voice. Sorry, kiddo, he says. We'll just have to see if the vet can take it in, or if they know a shelter. Sam looks down at his hands. Yeah, I guess so. Dean taps the table to get his brother's attention back. But, you know, this is all pointless if you can't even get it to come to you, or if it ends up biting your hand off. Go on out there and see what happens. I'll be out in a second. He watches as Sam scoots out of the booth, pockets the abandoned Kindle for safekeeping. He waits to observe through the window what happens when Sam approaches the dog. And his heart breaks a little more as Sam sits on the pavement and the dog wags its tail and jumps into his lap, licking his face. Sam laughs as the dog wriggles in his arms, and Dean has to wipe away a stupid tear that streaks down his stupid face. Oh, yeah, he's about to get sucker punched by a little brother and a little dog. The dog checks out fine at the vet, other than being really dirty and underweight. They check her teeth, pronounce her about two years old, and mutter something about testing her for worms and other parasites, and vaccinating her after they clean her up. The fluffed up pup handed back to them an hour later is barely recognizable and cute as a button, and it hops right up into Sam's arms in a way that makes Dean's heart sink a little. As he and Sam go to the front desk to check out, Dean tries to charm the receptionist. So, uh, I don't suppose you guys take in strays and find homes for them, do you? He hints as he hands over his credit card. The receptionist blushes at how closely Dean is leaning over the counter, but shakes her head. We don't have room in our facility to house animals like that, but I can give you the name and numbers of a few shelters. Are they all no-kill shelters? Sam asks from behind Dean. The receptionist shakes her head again. Not all of them, no. Well, we only want the numbers of the no-kill shelters, Sam says flatly. Dean turns to look at his brother, and he curses to himself as he sees him clinging to the dog and whispering to it as he gives the woman a bitch face to be proud of. She doesn't seem to notice, smiles brightly in fact. Sure, I can give you those numbers. I doubt any of them will be answering their phones, though, with it being Saturday and all. Damn it, Dean thinks. He'd forgotten about that. He's not sure what he's going to do about this, and Sam is looking at him so damn imploringly. Sammy, there's no way I can sneak it into my apartment, even just for the weekend, he says. You know the landlord lives across the breezeway, and he's a snoopy motherfucker. Sam's eyes widen, and he bites his lip. He peeks through the blinds at me all the time, Dean tries. I wouldn't be able to take it out for bathroom breaks without getting caught. God damn it, even the mutt is turning its own puppy dog gaze on Dean now, liquid and sorrowful, as Sam cradles it closer. I can't sneak her into Shirley's house for the weekend, Dean, Sam replies. And he's right and Dean wouldn't put it past her or her asshole boyfriend to hit Sam, broken arm or not, or hurt the dog, or just kick the dog out of the house. He rubs his fingers across his forehead, pinching the bridge of his nose and closing his eyes in thought. Sir, the receptionist breaks in, a little frosty now. I need you to sign here for me, please. Dean signs off on the credit card slip, can't help wincing at the numbers. He leads the way as they walk out of the clinic and to his borrowed car, Sam holding the fur bag like a baby and crooning at her. As they slide into the car and slam their doors shut, Sam looks over at Dean, scrunching up his face as the dog licks his chin. So, what are we going to do, Dean? Shelters won't open until Monday. Dean bites his lip and contemplates, watching as the dog wraps her paws around Sam's neck. His brother chuckles and leans into the embrace. Hey, look! She knows how to hug! Maybe we should go to a park right now. Let her run around and play for a bit so I can think, Dean finally says. Delaying the decision is about the best thing he can come up with for now. They take her to a park a few minutes down the road, finding a tree with some shade for protection from the afternoon sun. Despite himself, Dean finds that he's quickly developing a soft spot for this dog. She's just so damn sweet, with her little tongue lolling out of her mouth as she sits down in front of them in the grass, staring at the both of them, eyes bright and happy. Look, Dean, when she pants like that, it looks like she's smiling at us, Sam says, laughing. We should name her, shouldn't we? Dean clenches a fist. We can't get attached, Sammy. Sam rolls his eyes. Dude, you and I both know we're already dog whipped. There's no point in pretending otherwise. I know, but naming her will make it worse, won't it? Dean sighs. Sam, I want to keep her just as much as you do, trust me, but it can't happen. I don't even know what I'm going to do with her for two nights, let alone the rest of her life. Sam remains silent as he stares out behind the swings and monkey bars at the children's playground just beyond the sidewalk. The dog whines and crawls into Sam's lap, resting her head on his knee and falling asleep. Finally, Sam whispers, I think we should name her Bones, since we found her in the trash. Oh, fuck no, she deserves a cool name like Metallica or Zeppi. Sam snorts, and reaches over to punch Dean in the arm. Dean is grateful that Sam seems to understand and forgive him for how impossible the situation is. It pisses him off that once again they're reminded of how fucked up and unfair their existence is, how they can never get away from always being reminded that they'll never have a normal life. The fact that Sam's willing to go along with him in pretending for just a few brief minutes here in the park that they're just two brothers sitting here with their dog, makes Dean want to hug all the air out of him. It's not much, but it's enough. As the afternoon drags on, Dean begins to feel more and more desperate. He's called everyone he knows from Bobby and the dudes at the garage to the people he works with at the club, and no one is able to take the dog in for the weekend. Between shitty landlords, allergies, and other pets, Dean can't find anyone who can help him out. But still, he stares at the tiny slip of paper that he found in the back of his wallet, finger gliding back and forth over the number. Who's Cass? Sam asks peering over his shoulder where Dean is sitting cross-legged on the ground. Dean hastily shoves the paper back in his wallet. Uh, just somebody I met a while back, at the club. A friend. He's cool. Dean quickly adds, reaching for the dog passed out in front of him and running his fingers through her fur. So have you called him yet? Dean shakes his head no. Why not? Maybe he can take her in. Sam, I haven't known him for very long, and he's kind of weird. Sam squints his eyes, and his face scrunches in confusion. I mean, it's not a bad kind of weird. Dean hurries out. It's just, he's kind of particular about things, so I doubt he'd be able to help us. Shrugging, Sam lays down on the other side of the dog, hand reaching out to pet her head. You never know until you ask. Dean fidgets nervously playing with a loose thread on the hem of his jeans. He's never called Cass before, and doing so now would take things to another level, regardless of the reason he's calling. Plus, he hates asking for favors. It was killing him calling his co-workers and begging for help, and he's known these people for months, if not years. He doesn't want to pressure Cass into taking the dog in or making him feel obligated. On the other hand, Cass did tell him to call any time. Granted, Dean's pretty sure it was just if he was needing someone to talk to, but still, he is needing to talk to someone, even if it's because he's needing a favor from them. Dean stares at his brother, watching as Sam wraps a finger around the dog's fur, smiling as the dog swats at his hand and squirms, as if she was being tickled. That smile on Sam's face is the final straw for him. He picks his phone up, pulls the number out of his wallet, and taps it out on the dial pad. It rings three times before Cass answers. Hello. Dean has to hide a grin behind his hand at the suspicious tone in Cass's voice. Uh, hey Cass, this is Dean a few seconds go by before cass replies the tone of his voice suggesting a smile hello dean it's a surprise to hear your voice surprising but good how are you yeah i'm uh i'm good i know this is kind of out of the blue but i'm sorry dean i really did mean it was a good surprise that you've called i've um i've been hoping you'd call And that, that makes Dean feel so fucking happy and so fucking bad at the same time. If he'd known Cass had actually been wanting him to call, he'd have done his damnedest to get up the nerve to do it long before now. He can feel himself smiling a dopey grin, and he picks a blade of grass and starts twirling it around his finger. If you'd been hoping for it, you should have told me before now, Cass. He can hear Cass huff in amusement across the phone. This may come as a shock to you, but you're a bit of an enigma, Dean, as well as a little intimidating. I wasn't sure if you'd be happy to hear that. Dean feels as if his grin is pulled so wide it'll split his face in two. He glances up at Sam and finds his brother staring at him with an amused look on his face. Dean wipes the grin off his face flicks the blade of grass away, and clears his throat. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't just call to chat, Cass. I, um, need a favor. I mean, Sam and I, we're kind of in a bind. After a beat that Dean hopes isn't disappointment, Cass asks, What's wrong, Dean? Dean sighs. Well, long story short, we've, um, we found a stray dog today. And we took her to the vet, got her checked out, and got her shots and bathed and all that shit. And we were going to find a shelter to take her to so she can get a home. But all the shelters are closed on Saturdays. I take her home with me, but my landlord is a dick. He pauses as he hears Cass snort in amusement. Then he ventures on. Sam can't take her because his foster mom sucks. And nobody else I know can take her. He takes a deep breath before babbling on without stopping. Cass, it'd just be for two nights, until I can call around on Monday and find a shelter to take her in. Do you, I mean, could you take her in? I know your building might not allow pets, and I know with all your stuff you got going on that it might not be possible for you to do it, but I just, I don't have anybody else I could ask. I hate putting you under pressure like this, especially since I know you've had a rough time lately, but I just... Dean. Dean rubs his hand across his eyes. Yeah, Cass? Be quiet so I can give you my address. Dean exhales, the relief and affection he feels overwhelming him for a second, making it difficult to speak. Thanks, Cass, he croaks. He hangs up the phone after writing down the address and saying their goodbyes, and side-eyes Sam, who's still staring at him, mouth gaping. You know, you open that mouth any wider and you might catch yourself a pterodactyl. You were flirting, Sam exclaims. Dean winces, leaning to the side so he can stuff his wallet back in his pocket. What? No, I wasn't, he says weakly. Dude, you were so flirting. I've never seen a guy blush that much in my life. Shut the fuck up, Sasquatch. I can still give you a wedgie no matter how old you are. So, do you really like this guy? Shut it, Sammy. Sam leers and waggles his eyebrows. Are you going to ask him out on a date? Have you had your first kiss yet? That's it. I'm stealing your phone and calling Jess. Dean leans over the dog and pulls Sam's phone out of his pocket so fast that Sam doesn't even have time to do more than gasp and yell. Sam jumps up and tackles Dean, both of them wrestling for possession of the phone. The dog wakes up and starts barking, dodging around the boys rolling over in the grass. Once Dean has Sam pinned to the ground, once Dean has Sam pinned to the ground, hands trapped behind his back, the dog starts licking Sam's face, this sets them both off, laughing so hard that they stop fighting and lay on the grass shoulder to shoulder, staring up at the sky as they try to catch their breaths. Overall, this has been one of their better Saturdays. An hour later, and Dean is knocking on Cass's door, Sam and the dog close behind. They'd stopped at a pet store on the way over to pick up bowls, food, toys, a collar, and a leash. That way, Dean hopefully wouldn't feel quite as guilty about leaving her here for the weekend. When Castiel opens the door, both he and Dean stare at each other for several seconds before Cass breaks into a huge smile. Dean releases the breath he didn't know he was holding and steps to the side to introduce his brother. Hey, Cass, this is my brother Sammy. Sam, this is Castiel. Sam reaches his hand forward, and Castiel stares down at the hand for a couple of seconds before slowly raising his own to grasp it. Slightly awkward moment, but could have been worse, Dean thinks. I've heard so much about you, Sam it's a pleasure to meet you. Castiel reaches his other hand up to grasp Sam's hand between his own and pulls him forward through the doorway. Sam hands Dean the dog's leash along the way, and Dean leans down to pick the dog up, just in case she gets any wise-ass ideas like taking a dump right in the middle of Cass's living room. It's nice to meet you too, Castiel, Sam replies, eyes scanning the apartment as he takes a few steps inside. And thanks for agreeing to do this. And Dean can't blame Sam for scoping the place out. This is a really nice place. The furniture isn't super luxurious, but it's obvious that it's expensive. Dean strolls around the living room as Sam explains to Cass how they came across the dog and what's happened since. And he can't help but think that if he ever had money, this is exactly how he'd furnish his home. The pine floor is honey-toned. The rug he's standing on a bright contrast of colors. Art prints hang on the walls. And dark oak beams seem to canopy the place throughout, mirroring the beautiful hardwood floors. Castiel seems to notice Dean's interest because he asks, Would you like a tour of the place? Dean shakes his head. No, it's fine. I don't want to put you out or make you feel uncomfortable or anything. Especially since this is all so unexpected. With a smile, Castiel cuts him off. Dean, it's fine. I'm okay with this. If you and Sam would like to see my home, it'd be my pleasure to show it to you. I've worked very hard to plan the design of it all, so it'd be nice to show it off every so often. Sam pipes up. You designed all this yourself? Are you an architect or a designer or something? Castiel chuckles. No, nothing as prestigious as that. I'm a writer who happens to have a keen interest in design and who also is very particular about how he wants things. He walks with them through the condo and Dean falls in love with the place little by little. The walls in some rooms are varying shades of gold, red, and rust, gorgeous earthy tones that are warm and inviting. The kitchen is filled with deep wood cabinets and stone slab countertops, warm yellow lighting, and a large wooden table. The den is filled with huge overstuffed chairs and sofas, a wooden coffee table with matching end tables, and a flat-screen TV that has deemed ruling. Castiel leads them on through to the master bedroom, where the colors are varying shades of green and brown. It took weeks to find the exact shade of green I had in mind for the walls, he remarks randomly. I finally came across it by accident one day. Sam clears his throat. Dean's eyes. He says, in that innocent tone, Dean knows damn well isn't innocent at all. When Castiel turns to look at him, Sam smirks. It's the exact same shade of green as Dean's eyes. Dean blushes furiously and pretends he's not paying attention by petting the dog, but he catches Castiel's smile. I hadn't met your brother at that point, so believe me, it wasn't on purpose. Sam is airy as he responds. Maybe you were just searching for the person with eyes your favorite shade of green, kind of like Cinderella in the glass slipper. Sammy, I will hurt you. Dean grits out between clenched teeth. Castiel laughs, eyes dancing as he looks from Sam to Dean. Perhaps you're right, Sam, he replies and Dean can't help giving him a small smile before quickly returning his attention to the dog in his arms. Castiel takes them on through to the master bathroom, which is tiled completely in a mosaic of blues and white. Maybe I should be ashamed of how ostentatious this is, he admits as Sam whistles, but I've never been able to make myself care. You could fit two people in that bathtub. Sam declares as he admires the ridiculously large claw-footed beast. Actually, it's supposed to fit four, Castiel supplies, or so the interior designer told me. Sam's grin is huge and delighted. Or maybe two big guys, six-footers. Dean sends his dagger eyes out at his brother again because Sam is enjoying this way too much. And maybe Cass is too, because his reply is mock mournful. I've never had the opportunity or indication to test that theory myself. Not so far, anyway. Not in the bathtub or in the shower. He pulls open a pair of double doors as he speaks, and Dean's jaw drops as they stare in. It's almost its own room, with shower heads on three walls, both high above and at waist level. A tiled ledge encompasses one whole wall opposite the doors, and Castiel points at it. Seating arrangements. It's very relaxing under the spray of water. Dude, you could fit an entire village in here, Dean remarks. He steps into the shower, his mind wandering unrepentantly to the mental image of Cass naked in here, wet and hot and all lathered up. His cock gives a twitch inside his jeans, and he spins back around again because, yeah, it'd probably be better if he left this bathroom as soon as possible, or he'll have some explaining to do. As they return to the living room, Dean notices pictures and small paintings lining the walls of the hallway. Some of the pictures are of beaches, some of forests and large leafy trees, and others are of famous landmarks such as a black-and-white photo of the Eiffel Tower and a golden painting of the Colosseum. Nice pictures, Cass, he says. Are these some of the places you wanted to visit someday, like we talked about? Cass turns an open and sad look on his face before he schools it into something more neutral. Oh, uh, yes, they are. He shrugs an awkward movement that looks out of place on someone who's usually so measured and careful. Maybe someday I'll be able to. I hope so, anyway. They stare at each other for several long moments before Sam clears his throat, and Dean thinks, Stare blocker. So, Castiel, you want to see how you do with the dog? Sam prompts. If you guys like each other or not? Castiel continues to stare at Dean as he answers. Yes, Sam, I think that's wise. He moves his gaze to the dog in Dean's arms. So, does she have a name? Dean opens his mouth to speak, but Sam cuts him off. Yeah, her name's Zeppi. Dean turns his head quickly to stare at Sam. I thought you wanted to name her Bones. Nah, I think she's more of a Zeppi. Sam shrugs and smiles at Dean, who loves his kid brother so fucking much in this moment that he's tempted to embarrass both of them and give Sam a big, wet kiss on the cheek. Instead, he chooses to reach up and muss his hair, eliciting a yelp from him. Dude, never the hair! One of these days, I'm going to shave your head, and then where will you be? That's where all your power comes from, isn't it? Shut up! Cass interrupts the joking to take the dog out of Dean's arms. She goes to him more than willingly, and Dean watches, tense, as she reaches up to lick his chin. Dean's not sure if Cass's issues will make this a problem or not, so he stills as he watches and waits for Cass's reaction. His worry seems to be all for nothing, though, as Cass giggles at the dog's kisses. Fucking giggles and Dean wonders how one man can be so hot and adorable and weird at the same time. I think Zeppi is a very good name for her, Castiel decides. Where does it come from? Dean is stunned. Dude, seriously? You don't know where Zeppi comes from? You've known me for weeks now, and you don't know how much I love Led Zeppelin. Castiel rubs his face against the dog's neck and kisses her before replying. You're a fan of Led Zeppelin. I knew you must like Classic Rock, given your playlists, but I didn't know specifically which groups you liked. There's no way anyone could like Classic Rock and not love Led Zeppelin, Dean tells him, sparing a look at Sam, who's watching the conversation with no small amount of amusement, before continuing on. I guess I'm going to have to give you some lessons on the brilliance of Zeppelin sometime in your future. I look forward to it. Cass replies, the blue of his irises glow a little so that Dean fancies they're smoldering, and he has to force any stray picture of how Cass might smolder down at him like that at night out of his mind. Anyway, do you think you can keep her for a couple of days until I can find a shelter that'll take her? He says. It'll involve taking her out to use the bathroom and stuff, you know. I don't have a clue if she's housebroken or not, but one can hope. Castiel chews on his lip as he listens, and a thread of worry shoots through Dean as he realizes Cass probably hadn't even considered he'd have to leave the condo to take the dog for walks and stuff. Fuck, he thinks, as he remembers the fire alarm and what Cass told him. It's okay, Cass, he goes on softly, as the plan starts to fall apart. Honest, it is. We'll just... Yes, I think I can manage it. Castiel interrupts. There's a park across the street. I've. I've never been there before, but. He sighs as he runs a hand through his hair. But I think I can do it. It's just for a couple of days, right? Dean nods, and the relief as Sam darts baffled eyes between them is huge. Yep, just for a couple of days. And look, Cass, if any problems come up, don't hesitate to call me. I don't want to make things bad for you with this, okay? Cass smiles weakly at him. Okay, thank you for being so understanding about it. Dean shakes his head. Shit, dude, you're the one who's helping us out. The least I can do is try to be as accommodating to you as I can. Sam speaks up, a little uncertainly. Dean, if I don't get home soon, Shirley's probably going to get pissed off. Start calling. Dean scoffs. Yeah, yeah, let's get you back to her house, moose baby. Dude, that nickname doesn't even make sense. Your face doesn't even make sense. Castiel watches them both with a fond smile on his face before walking them to the door. As Dean steps into the hallway outside the condo, he turns to say goodbye to Cass. Thanks again, Cass, for everything. You really helped us out a lot with this, he says. Castiel squeezes the dog in his arms. It's really not a bother, Dean. I'm happy to help. I'll call you tomorrow to check in and see how it's going, okay? Cass smiles. I'll look forward to hearing from you. He pauses to look at Sam over Dean's shoulder. It was wonderful to meet you, Sam. I hope to do so again someday soon. Yeah, me too, Castiel, Sam says. Dean's heart skips a beat at hearing Castiel say he wants to meet Sam again soon. It's fucking ridiculous what a few words can do to him. As Cass begins closing the door, Dean leans in to murmur, Have a good night, Cass. Cass leans forward to whisper in the space between the door and the doorframe, staring at Dean like he's the answer to every damn question he's ever had. You too, Dean. And he shuts the door, leaving Dean with a racing heart, half a heart on, and a smirking little brother standing behind him.